Hi everyone. Today we're talking to Jenna Westra on female representation, on symbolism and modes of image making, as well as the influences of postmodern dance on her work. Jenna is a New York-based artist working in photography and film. She had solo exhibitions in New York, Berlin, Madrid, among many others. She is currently artist in residence at Hercules Art and Studio Program. Her work has been published or reviewed in many places, including the New York Times, Bomb Magazine, True Photo Journal, and Middle Plane. Here we start a conversation talking about her studio practice. The meaning behind the work, I think it's pretty dynamic and multifaceted. There's not really one meaning. If I had to kind of give it a description, I would say it's a kind of quest or a project about trying to image the female form, female friendship, dynamics, intimacy, in a way that's. Maybe an alternative to historically how women's bodies have been portrayed. I work in my studio usually five days a week, and I have a dark room in the basement there, which is sanctuary. I have to say, the working under the red light never gets old. You know, actively making pictures happens not as often. I, I would say I shoot like once every couple of weeks, but yeah, in between, it's like. Looking through prints, looking through little, you know, the four by six inch prints you get from the lab, and kind of shuffling and seeing like where there's a meeting or where there's some sort of you know seeds of ideas that are repeating. And could you also talk about how you find the models? Yeah, for a while I always found them on Craigslist. Just put out a call, you know, to say、uh, women aged. Usually twenty five to forty or so. I, somehow, it's important to me to work with women who are physically similar, or、uh, you know, in age, or I can relate to, kind of. What for whatever reason, Craigslist like flagged me. I'm not able to post there anymore. I think because I linked to my website, you're not supposed to do that. But so I'm banned. I can't do on Craigslist anymore. So now it's been more like just asking friends if they know people who would feel comfortable. Being in front of a camera, who have some sort of good understanding with how their body moves, and、uh, yeah, you know, people who like to perform. <laughs> From your artist statement that I saw on Baxter Street, you were talking about problems with representations of the body, and could you talk about it? Like, what does it mean to you? I think that's a question of intention. So, yeah, when I talk about problems of representation of the body, I'm I'm talking about when. The author of the image maybe has some agenda that is objectifying the body, sexualizing it for some sort of heteronormative consumption. You know, we've seen that a lot in more ways than just in photographic representation. I mean, in painting, sculpture, literature, film, fashion—like all kinds of of representations that don't address the whole woman, don't address the whole self. And I say woman in the most expansive way. Anybody who who identifies female, yeah. Adding on top of what you just said, I remember you once mentioned how you like using a thirty-five millimeter for color, because the medium format one it's too sleek, and you like the noise. Is that the way for you to counter the sleekness of ads where the female faces and bodies are overly retouched? I've never consciously 
thought about it that way, but that makes a lot of sense. And I'm going to say it does have to do with some sort of texture. I think that color medium format or color four by five film, you know, the technology that's involved in translating that into a printed image is it comes out. Yeah. Super slick, like very sharp, vivid. It's almost too real. Um, and so I think by using the 35 millimeter, you get this sort of patina or almost like a fog or a veil in front of the image. So it's clear that like you're not confronting something in real life. You're with a constructed, crafted thing. And I think probably like with the high res color film, also like I have the same problem with digital. It's just too real. It doesn't read as like, doesn't have that same seduction that film photography and like film prints have. And I prefer using the black and white film medium format because that goes into the dark room. And so like that, like translation or that magic, that veil, that beauty, it's filtered like through the actual light transferring onto the surface of the paper. And there's also this like second kind of step of removal in that it's monochrome. Yeah. Um, and I also want to talk about the male presence in your work. I know that they are in some of your older projects. Um, how are they functioning in the context of your work that's more female-centered? Uh, that's a really good question. I, it's something I've actually been grappling with or trying to question myself. Yeah, I think that I don't feel as comfortable working with men or imaging men because I can't very closely relate to what it's like to be a man. I would like to, you know, and there's, there's certain men in my life who are very effeminate and sensitive and seem to have monthly cycles like women do and, you know, go through like ebbs and flows that I do relate to in like a biological way or like a, a nuanced way that's about like how we exist in the world and relate to one another yeah, I would like to photograph more men. It's really good you asked this question because like I always want to portray whoever I'm working with with a sensitivity with like an I feel you, I get you. It could be me in your position. I don't want to other anybody. You know, I don't want to put anybody as like a spectacle or like I think that's like a big problem with a lot of documentary photography is it's like look at these people who are so different from me or us <laughs> uh doesn't sit well with me so I think it kind of comes from maybe that sort of place and I think I have found avenue to photograph men that I can relate with so I've been going out with like a zoom lens to skate parks around New York there is something very specific about the choreography of skating. The movements are not movements I've seen in other types of dance or choreography. I'm so very attracted to the way that they move through the air. You know, they all sort of put their arms straight out when they're jumping. And to me, it reads very sort of like religious iconography. It's somewhat Christ-like. It does seem to me that Men who ride skateboards are much less heteronormative than most men. I do think it's one way to bring men into the work. That's also true to my other interests, just about how the body moves, spontaneity, chance, encounters. Talking about how the body moves, 
I think that there is a joining of opposing forces in your work. Like I want to talk about these two photographs, where in one of them you have the hand resisting the leg and the water almost spilling out, and the other one where you have this fabric revealing the body by simultaneously blocking it. Like, can you talk about what's this tension that's in your work? I think there's a sort of doubling going on there, in the sense that I think a lot about all of the innate characteristics, properties of photography, and I'm I'm very conscious of like a lot of the different dichotomies in photography. You know, positive, negative, black, white, color, black, white. I mean, there's all these opposing forces at work, and. One thing that I find to be a fertile ground for exploring and thinking about is the capacity for a photograph to reveal and conceal at the same time. So you're revealing what's in your frame, but you're concealing everything that's around that. And there's as much value in what you're not showing. As there is in what you are imaging, so I think the work you're talking about, where the parts of the body are concealed, or there's an eye coming through, but the rest of the face is hidden. I mean, it's the same. I'm just kind of repeating like that that sort of attraction to that characteristic of the medium of what do you show, what do you not show. The repeated attraction also reminds me of the resurrecting things, the lemon that's in your work. What does it mean to you? What's its significance? Yeah, the lemon means a lot. I'm super into symbolism. Fruits in general, they're quite related to the body, and I think you know they're related to the body. They have a skin, they have an underlayer of flesh. They're juicy. Yeah, they're quite bodily. And the lemon specifically means so much to me in my work because I think of it as a metaphor for a strong female protagonist. You know, it has this. Oval shape that's very womb-like. It's related to parts of the female anatomy. You know, has that little point on top, and it's soft. It's got this lovely oval shape. You can hold it in your hands, but when you open it up, right? When you go inside the lemon, it is sharp. It is sour. It has a bite. The friends I have, the women I work with. They're all kind of lemon-like in this way. I want to move our conversation to the performance aspects of your work. Could you talk about the influence of postmodern dance and choreography? So I was always very attracted, and still very attracted to film stills of performances. You know, specifically like Yvonne Rainer, Trisha Brown, but also Carly Schneeman. Janine Antoni. I mean, the list can go on and on and on of female performance artists,、uh, postmodern choreographers. Pina Bausch is another one. When I see images of their work, I'm very struck by the composition of them. Thinking about making a composition in real time in a dance or a performance. I mean, that's definitely something that goes into it. Same way through the viewfinder or in a photograph, you have a rectangle. The stage is the same; it's that same kind of aspect ratio. And so they must have also been thinking about the limits of that, and you know where bodies are moving in space. And my first semester in grad school at Hunter in 2012, I had a studio visit. 
I'm not going to say who the artist was, but it's a very well-known artist. And she came in and, you know, looked at my work. And I was doing a lot of, like, staged performance. I'll quote them as performances. They were staged actions for the camera. And I was explaining how I'm so interested in these performance stills. And I want to be a part of that. I want to understand what that's about. I love it. And I want to do it for myself. And she just said, well... Jenna, you're referencing work from the 70s and you weren't even born yet. So how could you possibly have a relationship to that? And, you know, at the time I was like, okay, like, I'm sure you know better than me. So I'll just not tell anybody this anymore. And now as an adult and a, you know, more developed artist, I'm like, why would you say that to someone? Because first of all, Whatever you're attracted to and interested in is valid, whether or not you were alive at that time. Second of all, if you think about the history, the timeline of art in general, and how long humans have been on the earth, like people who were making art in the 70s, a lot of them are still around. I'm here too. We're the same age. So anyways, maybe that's kind of a an aside. But yeah, I think I'm so drawn to that work because the stills of the performances place the performer in relationship to the camera. I'm just very interested in how performance in general may have changed with the presence of the camera. Uh, you know, when you're thinking about real time and an audience, that's one thing. But when the performers, dancers, choreographer, etc., are considering the camera and the longevity or documentation of their work, like how does the body reorient itself by the presence of the camera? which I think is something that's that's happening in my work. Like how are the women, the, the people I'm working with changing because they know they're being photographed. Yeah, and I was just thinking about how like for dancers, when they dance, it's like a 360 degree performance. But when they're on the stage or whenever there's a camera in front of them, it becomes more one dimensional. And I was just thinking about how does all these perspectives get merged into one? It's a really interesting question. I mean, I think especially when you see a performance in a room where there's people standing all around the perimeter of the room, everyone is getting a different version of that performance, right? Nobody is seeing the same thing. And so I guess it's just a question of finding the right angle. I think, yeah, that's something I do a lot. Like I, you know, when I'm actively taking pictures, I won't just have a set and be like, you go there, I stand here, camera tripod, let's go. It's more like there's like different sets on, you know, each four corners of the room and I'll always move around with the camera. You can't find, you have to find the image, right? Like when you're there looking through the camera, like I'll, I'll just, I'll do that. I'll, I'll just look through and, and move around, get on a ladder, go on the floor, like have the models also like do some sort of rotation. I I can't really say like how you know when it's the shot. I think that's a really kind of something clicks and then you click. (laughs) Have you encountered any challenges when making work? Like any creative blocks? I think I've at times felt fatigued. I think I get stuck when I rest too much on my laurels or when I rest too much on this sort of recipe that I've cooked up for myself. Because I don't think it's really generative to 
repeat yourself too much. I mean, I haven't really been doing this very long, so I guess ask me again in another five years. But yeah, I guess like for a while now, I sort of have come up with a technique, a recipe, you know, do a casting call, think of scenes, interactions you want to see. I'll make like a running list sort of simple instructions. I mean, they're just images I, I want to see. Mind images that I want to see as real images and kind of follow through and do that. And I think more recently that's gotten a bit stale. I guess more and more I'm realizing the importance of rethinking your work or how it can exist and how the ideas that mean something true to you can reincarnate or exist in a new sort of format. So that is now, you know, since last summer, I went around with the that same Zoom lens that I've been working with the skaters and visiting parks around the city, you know, because there were bodies interacting there, couples, friends, people who lived together, roommates, people who knew each other, like that was still happening. But it was outdoors. And it wasn't in a way that I could direct. But it was just a way to keep working when I couldn't make that happen with strangers from Craigslist. And I think like I'm I'm grateful for that because I really enjoy being out in the world with my camera. That's I I never studied photography. I studied painting in undergrad. So the way I taught myself about it was to just walk around with my camera and it's nice to revisit that mode of making and uh thinking about the sort of hierarchies of uh like the value like is there is there a value that's ascribed to an image that's constructed in a studio that's well lit and the fabrics have been steamed and everything in its place is that better than an image that's found in the world no and what does it mean to kind of mix those modes of image making and i'm talking i'm thinking also like documentary and street photography but also vernacular I'm super attracted these days to to vernacular photography or images your phone makes that you don't mean it to make, right? Or just thinking about the conditions of the medium and what it does. And it's all valid. It all has its sort of place and relationship to the other modes of image making. Speaking of modes of image making, I know that you've been doing some fashion projects How does it play a role in how you make images? Yeah, the fashion photography is a new thing. It's something I've always resisted. I mean, a conversation about fashion photography has, it comes up, you know, in the work. I don't actually know why, to be honest. I don't personally see it. I mean, my models come with their leggings and bodysuits and there's no brand. There's no, it's like (laughs) cheap, stretchy materials usually. So I don't quite get that. Conversation. I I don't know. Maybe I do, or I just resist it in general. I think the connection between your work and the fashion photography is that your work look really good with all this composition and pops of color. And right now, the fashion photography isn't so commercial anymore. So they want to collaborate with artists who can retain this sort of artistic value of a shoot. You're right. I I do. I see that more and more. I think there's a lot of agencies popping up. We want to do like special publications and maybe even exhibitions, you know, work with the whole photographer, work with the whole artist. 
yeah, just agencies that are trying to be more like holistic, like help the whole artist photographer and not just, you know, Calvin Klein needs some underwear pictures. <laughs> I'm all about that. But I just hope it's not the fashion people will give us some sort of cachet to work with an artist without investing and having the conversations to understand the work and where that's coming from. I think we just need to remember to always center the ideas. That's the most important thing. Thank you for listening. This is the end of the episode. And you can find more of Jenna's work at jennawestra.com.